morning, RCC family, and for everyone who is tuning in this morning, we are so happy that you are worshiping with us. So this morning, few things to note for people who are physically in service. Um, I see lots of masks. We love that. We're going to try to be as loving and as cautious as we can. Also, if you see anyone with a blue lanyard, that means they want to be extra cautious. So just gift them by giving them some space, an air hug, give them a high five, and we'll love on them that way. And then while we're worshiping, we're also going to wear masks so we can keep it safe. So please do that. I will be your service host. I will make sure to keep you safe and ensure that rule throughout the service. But other than that, we'll be good to go. For our psalm reading this morning, it's going to be Psalm 119. And it'll be 105 to 112. And it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and have confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. And so God, this morning, we just pray the same prayer of David, that you bind our heart to your will. Lord, we pray that you stir up in us a desire and a craving to be merciful and just and kind, to follow where you lead and to trust that you are a God that is the light and the lamp and the path. Lord, we thank you that you are a God that is all about the process and the journey. We thank you that you're not waiting for us at the end of the line and that we're meant to walk this journey alone, but that you are a God that is there for every single step. And so this morning, Lord, we just invite your presence into the homes of people who are watching, into the hearts, into the people who are in this room. We thank you for being the God that you are. We silence everything in our mind, we lay it all down, we give it to you, we choose this morning to be fully focused and fully present on what you're doing. And we love you because you are a God who is always up to something. And in your holy name we pray. Amen. Good morning, River City. Whether you're gathering in person or online, happy to see you. Before we transition into prayers of the people, um, I wanted to share something with you that I felt like it's from the Lord and for our community. As I was studying and reading the stories um, of suffering and depravity and chaos around the world, I was struck with the reality that we are the first generation to have to, to figure out how to hold space for our own suffering and also be hopefully very aware of the sufferings around the world 
And that's a very hard thing to navigate and to trust and to understand that somehow in God's infinite kindness and love that he holds space and value for my own individual personal suffering, but also for hold space and care and, and love for the suffering of people around the world. It feels heavy and it feels like a lot. And yet somehow in God's goodness, he can do both at the same time. And our call as the church and as believers is to not shun or to turn away, to not look at the suffering around the world, to not plead ignorance, but to engage the suffering because we can trust and know that their suffering does not belittle my suffering. That God is a loving father who holds space for both. And so as we go into prayers of the people, I ask that as a community that we would begin to take steps towards acknowledging and engaging the sufferings around the world while also acknowledging and engaging the sufferings that are deep within us and ourselves and in our homes and our communities. The, the social justice movement that's happening in America is necessary and hard and it is a fight worth fighting also. In Eritrea, it's the sixth worst, worst country in the world to live in as a Christian. Both of those in the kingdom of God hold equal space and equal value. And we get to partner with God in prayer and intercession as the church. So I'm gonna pray for people around the world and also pray for the people in our body, knowing that our God is so good that he can hold all of it. For the universal church, its members and its mission, we pray for the Christians in Iraq as the number of Christians begin to dwindle through government, movements and religious movements begin to take over. Christians begin to dwindle in number. So God, we pray now in Smyrna, Georgia for the Christians and the believers in Iraq. Would their faith be encouraged and spurred on because of our prayers through the spirit that we are praying in this room corporately? God, we pray that an influx of your name and your love would come through in Iraq, God, that your name would be made more famous, that your love would transcend hearts and laws and religion. God, would you come mightily? Would you send hope and comfort to those believers? Give them the ability to persevere, to persevere that their faith would have a long suffering to endure and to fight the good fight. God, we pray for the five South Africans that were killed in a hostage situation in a church. This place that was meant to be a refuge and a safe place. 
and ended up one morning being one that led to multiple arrests and, and injuries and death. God, would you bring healing and restoration and reconciliation to the church in South Africa? Would our hearts be burdened for those who've endured trauma? That we would partner with them in prayer and say, there is hope The more and better is to come. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for the protests in Mali with so much government unrest. God, would you give them a pathway in the government to bring about peace for the people of Mali, that the people would feel heard and seen and known by their government, that you would give wisdom to the government leaders, that you would create partners where there are not partners. Would you open doors to build positive relationships both in the government and with its people. We pray for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. God, as as we try to figure out the best next steps as COVID numbers increase and, and some people's concern increases and business owners are trying to navigate the best decisions for their employees, for their staff, for the customers, for the community, community leaders in the stress of figuring out what do we do next? How do we serve God? I pray that you would be again to create this unity among the leaders. That we as church leaders would be the hands and feet to love our community well through food and through clothing. Be with our school board members, our superintendents all across the state of Georgia as they're having to make hard, hard decisions where not everybody is pleased. God, would you provide resources to the families that do not have resources? Provide provide wisdom for the board of directors, for the superintendents, that we would have grace and kindness towards one another, that we are all doing the very best that we can. And may we first receive that from you and may we give it to our brothers and sisters. Be with us individually as we suffer. Be with us individually as we hurt and mourn and grieve the losses of what was, grapple with the reality of what is and try and hope for what is to come. We place all of that at your feet and we take upon a yoke that you tell us is much more easy and is a very light burden and it is a place for all who are weary can come and get rest. That is your, your promise to your children. And so we approach your throne this morning and we take off our yokes and we take on a yoke that welcomes us to rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone do this. Sow that seed. No, it's not going to work. Okay, it's good. Um, love the kids. That's such an odd thing for them, but I love that kids can be in the services. That to me is a gift. So when I hear the sounds of kids, I don't get frustrated. I think it's the way church has always been, so I'm thankful for the season. I want to start today by mentioning last week we talked about kind of the content was what does it mean to be Christian was one of the driving forces, and it was built around this question that Debbie Thomas's son asked her, and she said, so mom, what does it mean to be a Christian, and how is that different than being progressive? Or in other words, what does it mean to be Christian, and how is that different from being just a good person, being justice-oriented? 
And we talked about how Christianity highlights in us our brokenness and our sinfulness. And that's not necessarily something we love to talk about as communities right now because we don't like to look at those things, right, in the Western culture. But if we can't do that, if we can't label the brokenness and the sinfulness, it's hard for us to say exactly where we need the extravagant, overwhelming, never-ending love of Jesus, right? It's almost like, yeah, everybody's great. So what does Christianity offer? I think that's a question everyone should wrestle with. What does it offer that we are, and it's not a sales pitch. He's not pitching a organization, right? It offers a different kind of way to be alive. And so today, we've been talking all year about being with Jesus, and so I want to talk a little bit today about the speed and the environment for discipleship to happen, right? Like, why is it that when we're first saved, all of a sudden we're not just superstar Christians, or why is it that when we're first saved, we don't have the endurance to face tough questions? What is it about long seasons of growing that are important for us? And so today it's about the abundance of God, but he's using a parable and raise your hand if you've heard of a parable before. So parables are important because parables are what Jesus used when he would speak to someone who thought they knew exactly how it should go. So instead of him walking up and saying, listen, Pharisee, you're wrong here, and I would like to show you where I'm right and where it can help you, because he knew that that wouldn't be a conversation they would even have. So he was always creatively speaking with parables because a parable would create in them almost like an unsettledness where they'd have to be like, so why is this guy talking about um, a mustard seed? Or why is this guy talking about a king? What, what is this guy talking about? Actually, P.H. Dodd says that fair, parables are meant to tease the mind into active thought. And if we're not able to like come at something from a different way, sometimes we just rely like the Pharisees would have. No, this is what it means to be a follower of God. And Jesus' whole message was a parable to this community. But today we're reading from Matthew. If you have your Bible, I would bring it. The first service has become, it's gone from being a hard service for me to being a really great one. This morning, because there's only 20 to 25 people that come, we, we were able to pray for one another. Everybody that comes to that one feels like they would really value it not getting much bigger than that, just for the space. And so it was really neat. We got to just go around and pray and talk to one another. But I, I encourage you to bring some form of scripture with you, whether it's your actual, you know, back in, back in the olden times, they would actually make Bibles that you would like carry on your person. It was, we all did it. It was crazy. And you would actually open the book and read it. And we don't do that anymore, but I encourage you to get back in the habit of that, right? That's a, it's a good thing to have it with you. We're going to, we're going to read from Matthew 13, one through nine, and then, and then we're going to skip a little bit and go to 18 through 23. This particular passage is in the midst of two other passages where the message of Jesus is being confronted and attacked. One of those scenarios is in his own hometown, he presents what his message is and he's, he's told that it's not a valid message and just he who, he who he is is not valid to be carrying this message. And so this is a, is a means for Jesus trying to break up the hard ground of people who need to eventually hear this message. And it's as if he's really literally planting a seed that you wouldn't see the fruit for a while. So this whole conversation is about that. I'm going to read it. That same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat beside the sea, went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down 
and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So just imagine him standing in a boat away, and people were, and Jenny actually said this was Jesus' attempt to social distance. And so I think he's prophetically speaking this to us in this season. So, and the whole, and he began to teach them, and he told them, I have not read one scripture correctly in four months. (laughs) Dear Lord. And he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yea, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what is sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. And it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another 60, and another 30. If you'll close your eyes and pray with me. Jesus, as we approach this text and these scriptures, each person in this room and listening in represents someone you created in your image, and we're pleased that you created them. Each person that's a hearer and gathered together either here in living rooms is someone you adamantly care about, who you approach and who your generosity and your lavishness could even be thought to be reckless at times because that's how much you pursue. And you're pursuing us even now. You're pursuing us as we sit and listen. Your pursuit is extravagant. I don't sense, Jesus, that you are waiting for us to finally get it together to finally understand, but that we would rest, God, and let you be, yes, the sower, the gardener, the pruner, and the one who brings the growth. We are just soil in need of all that you have. I pray as we read this text and we talk about it, that you would remove the need for many of us to perform, to receive acceptance. I pray against the feelings that many of us carry underneath the service, surface in the Western culture where we hatefully say things to ourselves because we're not good enough, but we hide it with just getting up and getting through another day. I speak to those in this room and listening in who are so certain that they are so hard and ground that they can never be reached by Jesus and just being at church or talking about scripture is just going through the motions because you gotta do it. I pray that you would shake those grounds, God, but that you would produce in us things that could never be done without. The supernatural, healing, guiding, restorative, God-filled life that produces fruit so that others can flourish around us through that fruit. Jesus, thank you that you don't expect results as we enter. You expect us to be like little children. 
I thank you for that, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Really quickly, I'll start by just sharing. When I was a youth pastor about 15 years ago, one of the things that I heard, if you were going to be a youth pastor, is you need to be able to do sermon series. So I'm, I put together some really horrible sermon series. And one of the first ones was built around this passage. And what I did is I went outside and I found all these types of soil and I put them in little plastic containers. And the first night was like super provocative. I got some seed out and I was like teaching on it, just acting out what I was preaching. People were just devouring it. People were sleeping, literally reading magazines. And I planted seeds in each one of them. And I was like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna check this out. We'll see if this really works. So each week I would take them outside and bring them back in as the illustration each week. Next week I brought them in, and truth be told, it worked. The seed grew in the good soil, and everyone said amen. Another week long, it, just, it was kind of redundant because every week the good soil just kept growing more, and the others didn't do anything. So here's, here's what I realized, and this is the way we approach this text as Western citizens. We automatically see this as the parable of the soils. And I reiterated in a bunch of 13 to 17-year-olds that they are the soil and forgot to teach them about the sower who so lavishly sows that he would sow on ground that might not even produce fruit that I made them think so much about soil that within four weeks they could probably label which soil they were, which might have been the worst gift I could give them. Because then you're just evaluating how good you are and how do I become better soil? I know for me, when I read this text, I'm automatically thinking about, am I, that, like, am I the hard soil? Like, am I just like making it appear that I'm not the hard soil, but I'm really the hard soil? Because these Pharisees were the hard soil, but they looked religious. So who is the soft soil? Oh my gosh. Then I'm in like a whirlwind of emotions and, and watching Rudy again, and I don't know why. <laughs> so here's what I did. I felt like this passage is not meant to be stopped at, at the soils. It's meant to draw us past the soil to the sower who walks around recklessly casting seed and 75% of it will not produce fruit. So what is this telling us about our sower? He's not a good businessman. If this sower worked for a company in lawn care, gardening, I don't know what to call it, horticulture, is that a thing? Horticulture and horticultural activities. This guy would be sat down and they would be like, listen, we spend $1,000 a year on seed and you're wasting 75% of it on this wrong stuff. It's a picture of somebody walking through the street, tossing and it's hitting roofs and landing on cars and people are like, no, Jesus, like there's probably a more efficient way. Actually, I know that there's more efficient ways because there's so many books written about how to plant a church that will tell you exactly the soil to go after. So why would Jesus not just find the fertile soil? What is he saying to us? I think he's saying you're not meant to read this and evaluate what kind of soil you are. You're meant to read it and evaluate what kind of sower Jesus is. He sows recklessly. And that's reckless to waste 75% of what's given. So, soils we exclude and that we would exclude. I just have a story about when I was a youth pastor, and I don't think anybody in this room was in that youth ministry. You guys were in the next one. Thank you for being there. That was great. So we went to New York City. We would do a mission trip a year. We would take 50 or 60 kids, horrifying, especially getting on and off subways, literally one of the scariest things. Um, no, I think you guys were at this one. This was your group. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So we went to New York, and we would 
block off sections of streets, and they would just let us, and we'd be in like Queens or Harlem or wherever, and I think this was in Queens, and we had, I think you were there this one, actually, you guys. So we, you know, we decided we're just going to, I'm going to get on mic, and I'm going to go big, and like, I'm just going to make it big, and people like, I would say thousands, probably more like 60 or 70 people, but like tens of thousands of people came, it felt like. So... We were doing our thing, music's playing, people are dancing, these guys are doing some kind of like good but cheesy skit, and it's working, and this kid like is destroying people, walking around, kicking people, hurting people, stealing stuff from people, saying mean things, other kids are walking away crying, and this was not something that I would normally do, it was not something that I had planned, but something in me was like, you need to go, you need to go like figure out a way to love this kid. And I was like, okay. And I felt like, I'm not sure if any of you have experienced this, where you sense that God is motivating you into something that you literally can't take credit for. That's what this felt, felt like. I walked over to him and I was like, hey, buddy, don't know your name, but I'm really looking for an assistant today to help me maybe speak on the mic some, maybe just help organize some dancing stuff. It's an important role. And the, the switch in this kid was instant, like he was not only switched, he was the best helper in the whole group, including our youth kids. And at the end, we did this video. And when we were recording the video, we asked him, share, you know, how he experienced the day. And his mom was with him. His mom was like, tell him, tell him. And he was like, okay. And he was like, well, a couple weeks ago, my daddy was in prison and he was killed. And so he was, this was this person who I would have been like, this is definitely somebody who we shouldn't. We don't know what will happen. And I kind of think when people are saying to Jesus, like, you probably shouldn't sow this way, he's like, what could happen? What could happen if we were lavish with the gospel? Like, what could possibly happen if we just stopped reading books about where to be fertile for the kingdom and we just decided to live this gospel in ways that people we've decided won't receive it could? Right? What if it is that good that this guy, right, what if my biggest mistake for this group of kids in youth ministry was to make them feel like they were the hard soil, which I think happened. So if any of you are listening, for all seven listeners today across the globe, <laughs> please reach out to me. I'd love to pray with you. What if though, and I know, I'm not saying what if, I know that that message for them made them probably think, because kids are kids, right? Instead of me talking about the home environment that they didn't get where they would be nurtured and loved by a mother and father. Or why they're being abused is creating this thing in them and responding. And here's the fruit it looks like is hard ground, but there's this broken kid. I maybe showed people, I am that soil. You talked about it for four weeks. I'm that hard soil because I don't feel Jesus at all. But what if the message is the sower is able over and above and will always be generous? He's always sowing. He will always be generous. Even if you've decided the gospel isn't real or for you and you just like to deconstruct and I don't get it, he's still gonna be sowing towards your life. Continually, fervently, ever present, he will continue. Always just with a hope. Maybe it'll just fall through a crack. Heck, I've been to my parents' house, have this thing on their roof that's growing. There's, there's literally a, gla a grass thing growing on their roof. It's growing, right? Like, he knows where that will happen. He doesn't know necessarily what soil will take, soil will take, but he's always casting seeds. He's always sowing. And when the seed has landed, guys, listen to this. When the seed lands, it doesn't look like fruit. It just looks like the same ground, right? Like I actually, 
heard a message the other day that I will never forget, that a burial and a planting look exactly the same. Go to both sites. The same kind of thing is happening. But one thing will flourish. God is planting seed always. When it's planted, the invitation is there. The invitation to discipleship and to be with Jesus so that he can foster what needs to grow, you cannot produce it on your own. You will not be able to make yourself better ground. You will not be able to make yourself a better disciple. It is still his job. It will always be his job. That does not mean it's sloppy grace and you're just like, whatevs, I'm just gonna do whatever I want. Let's just do this, you know, it's not that. It's not the idea that you get the grace and then you're peace out until you're in eternity. The idea is that you get the grace, it's so lavish, it lands, it's fostered by the spirit of God because you have committed your life to God, not to religion, but to creating space to be formed. And we can decide if we would like to be formed or not. It's his job. Can you pull up these passages really quick? There's just a, just a of scripture we're gonna just throw at you. Galatians 3, one through three. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that, that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing, same as this passage, and faith? Are you foolish Having begun by the Spirit, having started as a gift, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Are you now being perfected by you? Next one. So neither he who plants nor who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Lastly, one of my favorite favorites. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. There's a way to read this that's scary. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask that Jesus would allow that to not happen because this is a beautiful text meant to woo you in to the kind of love, right? The kind that's like, I feel broken, but if you were to prune me, I know you'd bring health. Please do it. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You're clean because of the word I have spoken to you, not because of what you've done. Faith. Abide in me. There's our job. Abide. Dirt. Just stay in your spot. J dirt. Like, this would be the dumbest thing ever for you just watch me walk over to a, a plot of ground and be like, dude, just stay there. Dirt. Just stay there. Just stay in your spot. You can pull it back up. I didn't get to finish that one, Bill. I'm sorry. I did the, I did a little, yeah. Abide in me and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We planted a garden this year. It's the first one I've ever done. It was a pandemic garden. I don't know what we're doing. I built two boxes. took me like all day. With the leftover wood, I built three tables that can't stand up, literally. I filled it with dirt, filled it with more dirt, planted four tomato plants and one, three basil plants, and then we planted some peppers. And we planted it at the beginning and they were this tall, each of them were this tall, and I wasn't expecting much, and they are massive beasts now. Each of them, I counted two weeks ago, and there's a hundred-ish tomatoes this big, and then yesterday, or two days ago, we had friends come over and looked at them, and we're like, yeah, those are gonna die, and I was like, awesome. So walked us through what it looks like to get some steaks, and figure out how to get tomatoes stuck to steaks so they go that way, and now they're growing again. Things that are in the right soil will grow, right? It's, it's, not, it's not hard. 
the soil's not forming a plan every morning, figuring out how to grow. We can be present with our creator. That is a gift that you can do. You can be present, and in that soil, he can sow, garden, prune, cause the growth, and yes, it will get to a spot where it flourishes. The key to this parable is that 25% of what is sown turns into a harvest that would literally freak a family out. Sevenfold would be, let's stop, we're going to party this weekend, we're going to we're going to enjoy this weekend. Tenfold would be like, invite everybody over you know with your family. Guys, we've had a tenfold crop this year. It's unbelievable. Thirtyfold would be, we're shutting the business down. We're going to Malibu. We're staying there for a year. We have excess. Sixtyfold, what? Like, what is that? A hundredfold? The point of this is that he's such a good sower that it's going to find soil. It's going to grow and celebrate it when it happens right? This passage today in the middle of a pandemic and racial tension and all of it is a reminder that our God is so extravagantly abundant. We can rest in that. Even if we see 75% of what's happening dying, he will be faithful. It will come. He is going to produce fruit for all who have ears. Let him hear. Who can hear in this room right now? Raise your hand. Now, if you can still hear, raise your other hand. Now just do a little bit of this. Sorry, guys, at home. So, Becca, you can come up. I'm doing a little different. So I love first service because it feels like I've gotten to the spot now where I don't care that our whole body's not together. I valued 20 to 25 people, and we got to pray for one another, and this person said an encouraging word to this person. I don't think we can do that in this room yet unless more of you stop coming, which that's like maybe the opposite of what any church is doing. But I would just say to you, This season is offering us things that no other season has. Right now in you, right now, work is being done that will last the rest of your life. This is not a mistake. All of this, it's like structural framework for something that will be built and it's underneath the surface and it's making you deal with things about yourself you don't like and you're bumping into emotions you haven't experienced and you're crying at strange times and you're angry and you're dealing with the things that you can usually hide behind in your work or your play or your travel or your whatever. This season is saying my gift to you is I'm gonna allow you to be present in things you want so that I can join you in them. And Jesus is present. He's here with us. He's here with you. So today, right, here's what I'm going to read these two texts and then we're going to just close with a song. This is Colossians. I believe in my prayer time for the past few weeks that he's saying these are for our body. And I really believe it. Okay. So I'm going to read it. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And then let, say let. It's just what you, I don't have anything to do with let. Just, okay. The peace of Christ rule your hearts, even in a pandemic, even in suffering to which you are indeed called in one body and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And another, it says singing prophetic songs that have never been sung, new songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And lastly, this, this text for us, he has told you, O oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God? These are goals. The fruit in us causes this to happen, not our resolve. Your resolve does not make that happen. Your consistency in the presence of God makes that happen. You cannot show up to a tree and put a bunch of fruit on it and be like, check it out. It has to come through seasons of growth, seasons of being built by the Spirit. If you desire to walk the way that God has called you to walk, you will produce 30, 60, maybe 100-fold of what He's planted in you. But it won't just be for you. No tree ever eats its own fruit. Unless that happens, and please tell me after, I don't think that happens. The fruit is so full, it's just, when it's right, it, you're not working, you're not like, ugh, fruit. Jesus produces, it's, it's all him. Even the invitation you feel to come to Jesus is the spirit of God drawing you. You can't even take credit for that. Even your ability to sit and be like, forgive me, the spirit is drawing you there. It's all God, it's all God. So performance is his as well. He just wants to love you so freakishly, extravagantly, so abundantly and recklessly that you know for certain he is a good God. He will come through. It's going to happen. So Jesus, today as we close, we ask for a people to fall in love with your presence and hear the invitations that are not anger and not resentment, let us be sinners that find ourselves in the hands of a loving God. I'm gonna do an imaginative prayer for like 20 seconds. So just close your eyes, put your hand over your heart. Imagine Jesus, yes, Jesus walking over to you in your mind's eye and reaching out and placing within you the seed of his gospel. See it happen, allow it to happen. Even if you're at home, close your eyes. Imagine the Jesus, the Christ, the risen, walking to you and planting in you a seed from him in your depths. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're always pursuing us this way. In your name we pray, amen. Love you guys, it was great to see you. See you soon, reach out if you need help, we're available. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.